Welcome to week number four, the final week of our first series in 2020 entitled God Goals. With so many people making resolutions, things they, they want to do and accomplish, we wanted to listen to what God would tell us should be our goals. And not just for 2020, but for our life as his children. And I'm excited that I got to share two of those with our downtown campus this year. And, and I pray that you are blessed today as we unpack the final one. So I got a question that many of you have probably heard before. Maybe over the course of the last several weeks, if you can think back to that holiday stretch from Thanksgiving through New Year's, you heard it from your colleagues or your spouse's colleagues at a work party. Maybe you heard it when you got together with a group of friends you haven't seen in a while, uh, when you got back together over Thanksgiving and you did Friendsgiving. Maybe you heard it time and time again uh, when you got together with your family for holiday gatherings, when you went to your family with your, your spouse's side and, and then your side. And the question is this, how are you doing? Maybe you hear it each and every day as you walk into your cubicle or, or the, your place of employment. When, when someone bumps into you after a weekend, they, they might say to you tomorrow morning, how's it going? How's your, how's your day today? How was your weekend? Normally, for, for many years, the average response, the normal response, even though it's the most unbelieved response, is good, fine. Because <laughs> deep down, we all know that somewhere in there, there's probably more than good that you want to speak. But experts actually say things have changed. Uh, one of those words that many people will say in response to that question now that, that you'll hear over and over and over again is busy. Now, my wife texts me often during the course of a week when she's at work on her lunch break and, and will say, How, how's your day going? And I'm scared to think of the fact that as she has saved my string of text messages for years, she deletes nothing. How many she would have found through the course of 365 days of 2019 that said, busy. And maybe you thought that too. Maybe it's a response you give. Why is it that now one of the new normal responses to the question, how are you doing, is, I'm, I'm busy. How was your weekend? It was so busy. How's things going with the family? It's just busy. We always seem to be going here and there, and, and we never seem to, to shut things down. Well, you can research that. Uh, people have actually spent time and, and energy and, and dollars in our world today trying to figure out why our society, why American culture is driven by that word and consumed with that response. And they've come up with some very clear reasons why they believe things have changed and, and people will use that word. But one of them is this, it's, a, it's actually a, a status symbol to be busy. You know how, why they know that? Because they've studied you and me. And they've looked at social media and the world in which we live of, of how we're online and on Facebook and followers of, of many people and, and many businesses and and many celebrities, uh, they, they track the, the tweets that we were post and the things that we look at, the Instagram images that were uh, overcome by, and you know what they find lights us up more than just about anything else? 
the comments made by people of positions of power and prestige and fame about being busy. And they did this with a Facebook study where they created a fake person and they created this fake person and and they put posts out there and you know the ones that people gravitated to, responded to, liked and, and gave their image thumbs up and everything else to? The ones about being busy. I, I can't seem to get any time off. I need a vacation. You know which ones they responded to less? The pictures of that fake permit person and, and, and posts by that person about being on vacation and chilling by the pool and, and having that cocktail in their hand with that umbrella. Because it's a status symbol. If you're busy, you must be a person who is important, who is powerful, who, who has significance, who makes more money, and, and thus I want to be busy too. I'm busy. And they say it's a, a becoming a normal response because it's real in people's lives, and they do it for a reason. Brene Brown, if any of you heard of her, she has done a very famous, famous, famous TED talk on vulnerability, has actually said it and described it in this way. If you summarize it, it's a way in which people will numb themselves from having to deal with life. In other words, it's the latest and greatest form of self-medication. People don't want to run to the bottle or pop pills, but, but they become busy and do more and and extend themselves further, and work harder, and increase their hours, and, and find things to occupy their time, because you know what they don't want to do? Deal with reality. Like people will work longer hours and take the overtime, so they don't have to do the hard work of dealing with their relationship that's going down the tubes. They'll find a new hobby, and, and, and maybe get a new online game to occupy their time, so they don't have to talk to their kids, who are teenagers, who, who, who they're wrestling with and struggling with. And they'll self-medicate on, on busyness instead of having to un, unpack and deal with the issues and struggles of their life that, that are real and, and need addressing. And then there's this, while there are many others. And maybe it's the first one that came to your mind. We respond with busy because it's true. <laughs> Like all the research says, of all countries in our world today, societies in our world today, uh, communities in which people live, America, citizens of the United States of, of America, you and me are, are the busiest people around. Stats prove it. You know what is true of today's world compared to 60 years ago? We're busier. The average uh, American family of today 60 years ago, only 20% had, had two people in that home working full-time. Today, over 70% of homes, uh, the foundation of our world, have, have working mom, working dad, working husband, working wife full-time. And that doesn't change the amount of work that needs to be done at, at home, right? <laughs> it means there's less time. We're, we're busier than ever before. Let's prove it. Maybe compare it to to work. How many of you have have jobs? I mean, some of you are too young to maybe have a job other than school. The average American most likely works around 40 hours a week. Most males work a little bit over, but but a majority of females who are in the workforce work over that too. Do you know how you and I compare to the world in which we live? 
Take, for example, some other first world nations, Japan. Almost every one of us knows maybe someone who is Japanese. They came from Japan. They maybe work here. We've heard about Japan. They work hard, right? They take work seriously. It's an important thing. They work roughly 138 hours less per year than the average American. You know what that amounts to? If an average work week is about 40 hours a week, that means Americans work three more hours of work, three more weeks of work a year. If you take and add all that together. Well, maybe you're not intrigued by moving to Japan to lower your workload. How about Britain? Approximately 260 less hours of work a year. That's six 40-hour work weeks less than you and I work. And then if you're really looking for the permanent destination of your dreams, become French. Move to France. Live the Parisian lifestyle. Because you know what their work week looks like compared to ours? 499 hours less per year. That's 12 40-hour work weeks. Like, that would be amazing, wouldn't it? Maybe not. No offense to anyone who's from France or anyone who's related. If I have to apologize, I will. But all those societies look at us and go, you guys are really busy. And here's the thing. All those things and maybe many others explain why we respond that way. It's true, our schedules reveal it. Our hearts struggle with it. We, we occupy ourselves with busyness to not have to deal with issues. We, we maybe think busyness is, is better because busy people are, are more powerful and, and have more wealth and, and have more opportunities. But I haven't sold you on, on why it matters. Why we need to wrestle with it. So let me give you a few. And here's one. Over 60% of adults, when asked, how would you describe your life, they described it this way, hectic. In other words, running around, have, having so many things going on, overwhelmed at times, anxiety and stressed. 60%. And you know who that impacts? Not just you. The people who you do life with. Hectic schedules impact homes. For those of you who are, are, are married, for those of you who are parents, for those of you who are, are kids in a, in a home, those of you who are thinking about getting married someday or are looking for, for someone to, to re, get remarried to, just consider what, what, what hectic lives and hectic schedules do to homes and relationships and our lives. Do you know how, many, uh, how, many, how much time in a, in a day they say the average uh, American household spends on quality time? With the life, with the people you're supposed to do life with, 37 minutes. Just think of the list of things you spend more than 37 minutes doing that are worthless or meaningless or empty. I mean, I, I guarantee you, I spend more than 37 minutes a day playing Candy Crush. I love it. It is mind numbing. It takes my brain away from things. I'm good at it. Level 5,160 something or another. But that's kind of pathetic. If my home is average, and that my wife, even though my kids are gone, gets 37 minutes, my marriage gets 37 minutes of quality time. That's the impact of busy 
crazy busy, hectic schedules. Have you heard how, how, how kids feel about that busyness in their worlds? Nine to 13 year olds were surveyed and, and four out of 10, 40% of nine to 13 year olds said their, their schedules, their lives are either nearly maxed or completely full and they're overwhelmed and stressed because they're too busy doing. You know who else is affected? Husbands and wives. Now, the average couple in today's world says because their schedules are so hectic, because their lives are so busy, because work has a, a, a great level of obligation and all these other things are out there, uh, the average couple in today's world says they get 12 date nights, 12 date times a year, one a month. Now, some of you are out there going, I'd die for one a month right now. But understand that, that even the majority of them who say that's the norm, that's the average, say that, that more than half of those dates revolve around two things, running errands and doing chores. Now, no offense, guys, but... Let's just be honest, ladies, right? If you were dating the man of your dreams, the one you're sitting next to right now that you got married to, or maybe you're the one you're thinking about getting married to, or the one you're dating right now, and they said to you, I have this amazing date night planned for us. Like, I want you to come over to my apartment uh, around 6.30 tonight, and here's how we're going to begin. You pick up the gloves and the brush and go in the bathroom and scrub the toilet. I'll, I'll, get out the, I'll get out the mop and I'll, and I'll get rid of all the stuff in the fridge that needs to be cleaned up and scrub it down. And, and then together we'll do some mopping. Sound like fun? We'll top it off with one of the greatest of all things. We'll drive to Menards and you and I will walk down the aisles and I'll show you all the gadgets and toys I want to get before next summer so I can really use them in my life. I'm really excited. How does that sound? You would look at the man of your dreams and say, I need to find a, a new Mr. McDreamy. And I know there's some of you out there going, I, I like date nights that involve errands and chores. But you know what? I'm, I'm probably telling you that it's not very quality all the time. And, and, and maybe it's causing us this, stress. They actually say our busyness is one of the biggest causers of, of stress uh, to families, stress to kids, stress to adults in the workforce, stress that, that overwhelms. And, and, and you want to know why this matters? At the top of the list of things that, that, that doctors have, have said impact us physically and mentally is stress. It affects the heart, it, it affects the, the other organs, it, it affects our mind, it, it affects us with anxiety issues and, and, and causes some people depression because they're so busy but there's so much more that they, they believe they need to do that it drives them to dark places. Do you understand why this issue is important? That when we speak this word that I'm busy, what we're really communicating and saying in many respects should tell us we're hurting, we're struggling. We have things that we need to address and issues that are real. So I don't know what your life looks like. I, I, don't, I don't know what your work uh, hours number is. I know what mine is. I, I know I wrestle with it and, and, and I know we need to be challenged by it at times. Because God's goal for us tonight is, is going to be one that he wants us to hear and apply to get perspective. So that we're blessed. So that marriages aren't falling apart at a, at a at an ever record pace to, to keep moving forward. 
Uh, that, that homes and children aren't being overwhelmed with, with stress at ages 9 to 13. Yeah. Uh, that, that human bodies aren't breaking down and, and dealing with heart issues and, and mental issues when they don't have to. Because God's goal for you in 2020, God's goal for all of us each and every day of our life, understands that this needs to be addressed. It's why God in his great wisdom for his people a long time ago, 3,500 years ago, you heard Pastor Michael read it uh, to you from, from the book of Deuteronomy where he said, remember the Sabbath day. And on this day, literally do nothing, get rest. And here's why. It'll, it'll, it'll bless. It'll bless your home, it'll bless your relationships, and it'll bless your relationship with God. And one of the wisest people on earth understood that. He understood that, that not only does it have earthly impact, relational impact, physical impact, it has spiritual implications. Because you do know what happens when we're crazy busy. Anxiety goes up, we, we get overwhelmed, and, and you know what else increases? Irritability. You know what goes down? Joy and contentment. I mean, you know how this works, the people in your life that you're closest to, that you do life with? I mean, when they're crazy busy, when they're running here and there, when you, you have so much on your plate, you, 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 you come home and Pastor Michael had you take a deep breath, but you don't do that before you enter the house. All you do is verbally vomit and explode on the people in the house. When they ask you to do something, when, 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 they, when they want you to, to be present, you, you, you stare and you want to veg out in front of the screen. You see, God wants us to, to understand and know that he designed us and hardwired us and even called us to be different. And I believe God will bless it. And it'll bless you spiritually with more joy, more peace, more rest, more strength, more spiritual blessings than, than you're experiencing now in a crazy busy world. And all that's probably great. You probably now understand why people say it and, and respond with it. You, I've probably even sold you on why you might want to do something about it, right? Because that nice breath that Pastor Michael had you take completely uh, exhaled and, and you felt good and now you are, are having hearts that are beating a little faster because I've spoken back into your life, what's going on? I need to give you some things to, to help you do it. But before I do, I, I, I want you to, to be willing to agree with me on our first takeaway in truth that, that, that has to be understood. Busyness is risky business, physically, emotionally, relationally, and spiritually. It's risky business. That, that if we are crazy busy, if we're, we're investing our time and energy in the wrong places for the wrong motives, we will, we'll be negatively impacted. Ris uh, busyness is risky business. And it might have even eternal consequences. And the wisest man who walked the earth, King Solomon, understood that. He, in fact, said, I was one of the busiest dudes you have ever seen. 
I look at Ecclesiastes chapter two. He said, when I surveyed all that my hands had done, I worked hard. Like I worked harder than, than, than most, if not all. Look at all the buildings I built, the cities I built, the, the wealth I amassed, the, the relational uh, things that I have going on, the connections I have in the world. I mean, Solomon in his temple was one of the seven wonders of the world, right? Originally. He said, look at all I've done, look at all I've created. At the end of the day, I've looked back, I've, I've pushed pause, and it's meaningless. Like he did more, he pushed harder, he... He went after it. He was busy. But he would say, I wasn't blessed. It was a chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. Risky business. And you know how it impacted him spiritually? Made him willing to compromise to idols and believe lies. Marry 700 wives in order to get relational cred and relationships with nations and physical pleasure. And I looked at all that I've done, my busyness has got me nowhere. Does that speak to your heart? I mean, are you pushing hard at work and, and, and giving extra hours to, to climb the ladder, hoping to, to retire early, but you can sense the tension that it's coming in at the expense of your family or your friendships, your mental health, your physical health? Busyness is a risky business, Solomon would say. Parents, future parents, grandparents, I, I want to speak into your world. Because if you think one more summer camp, one more program for my, my four-year-old to become the, the greatest reader at this, uh, that the school has ever seen once they hit kindergarten, one more extracurricular team to, to put them on, to travel with others, Solomon might say, I, I want you to think 30 years from now, is it worth it? You poured that much into your kids, but your relationship crumbled. Is it worth it? Chasing after everything under the sun, being so busy that God's goal for you isn't applied. I don't know about you, but I've preached this now six times, and I had to preach it to myself this week, many times over. And this is hard. Because I like to be busy. And I can tell you it has impact and, and affects our relationships, which is why I want to make this goal a goal of mine for this year and beyond. And here it is. You already know it. God wants you to rest. He wants you to rest. He designed it as a part of the, the life cycle for his people, the Israelites in the Old Testament. That's why he gave them the, the third commandment. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Do nothing on this day. You need physical rest. You need to withdraw. You need to slow down. You need to breathe. You need to do life with your family. Invest uh, energy into them and, and also have a day to focus on me. The blessings I've given you, the, the things that you have and, and to worship me. Rest, God says, is good. And God wants even more than that, not just physical rest to bless you physically, relationally, and emotionally, he wants spiritual rest. And I'm going to give you two things today, two practical takeaways based on experiences in Jesus' life and ministry that will reinforce those truths. And I pray you will, will, will want to apply to your life as well. 
And I know it won't be perfect. I know we're going to struggle. The, the strengths that many of you have are, are driven people. I'm an achiever. Each and every Sunday night, it's driving me nuts right now. That's not even done yet. I have a two-page list with, uh, with the days on it for the week of all the things I need to do. And, and I love to cross them off because I'm an achiever. You know what it causes damage to me to do and affects what area of my life? My relationship with God. My time with my wife. Speaking into the life of my kids who are fully grown and out, but, but, I, but I'm not always connecting and, and, and trying to, to check in. And, and, and I want to, to get rest. I want to enjoy this God goal even more because I, I believe my life will be blessed. So here's number one, Jesus' life experience of how he understood this from a physical perspective. And, and, and here it'll be a takeaway as we finish it up. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and taught. And I just push pause for a second. The disciples had just been on a mission trip, so to speak. Jesus sent them out uh, to preach the word. He sent them out to, to different cities and places. And, and you know what they came back with? Reports of amazing things happening. They were busy. <laughs> they were doing God's work. They were meeting people. They were sharing the gospel. Hearts were converted. Miracles were done, demons were driven out, and they came back and they were on top of the mountain telling Jesus about this. And there in that moment, as they came back and swarmed around Jesus, excited about all that would ha had happened and how, how busy they had been with this amazing job that, that he had sent them out to do, there was another opportunity. So many people were coming and going that they didn't even have a chance to eat. It was busy. And you know what Jesus did and didn't do? Here's what he did. He said, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Jesus said, you need to get some rest. You need to eat some food. You're on the top of the mountain, but, but there's only one place you're going to go and it's going to be down and I don't want it to be a crash and burn. You need to, to rejuvenate, to, to refresh, to, to rest. Because it'll be good for you, Jesus said. And you know how he knew it? Not just because he was God, but his true man, he, he understood it because he needed it. Jesus withdrew to quiet places. Jesus walked out of cities. Jesus at times took his disciples away from the crowds. And he said no to good things. He said no to opportunities to, to preach the gospel and the good news. He said no to, to relationships that were breaking and, and people that were hurting. He said no to, to people who were deaf and, and, and people who were blind and didn't perform miracles all the time. Jesus knew as, as true man, God wanted him to rest. And he knew his disciples needed it too. Which is a principle I hope you take away from this and, and one that, that, that I really need to work on and, and hope that you'll pray for me. And, and it's this. If you're thinking of, of how do I accomplish this God goal of God wanting me rest, the, the first thing is you have to Admit this about yourself. You can't be all in to all things all the time. As human beings, we have limitations. As human beings, we have a limited amount of time in our day. As human beings, we have a limited amount of bandwidth to be able to accomplish all those things all the time. And so we as human beings have to understand that I can't be all things and all in all the time. I just can't. God has given me some amazing godly callings in my life. I'm married. 
And so God says, love your wife. Uh, be invested in your relationship. God has blessed me with children who now are fully grown, but, but they're still my kids. And, and, and God has blessed me with friends, people that I do life with that, that I want to be connected to, that I need in my life to help me with my blind spots and my, my overachieving and my schedule at times. And God has brought me into community, the 922 Church Ministry, where I'm a part of a body with, with unique gifts and talents, and he wants me to use them to bless you and serve, just like you. And God's placed me in the Fox Valley, where, where he wants me to be the hands and feet of Jesus to help others who are in need and, and serve people so that they see Jesus. And, and then you can add a few hobbies and extras, because God wants you to, to find time that, that, that's called downtime, and he wants you to, to, to do things that you enjoy. And, and, and the list could go on. Did you see, do you hear how many good things are on that plate? But you know what? I can't be all in to all those things all the time. And when I try to, I do damage to my, my life, my relationships, my mental health, and my spiritual life. First in line, first to admit it. And I experienced this over the last two weeks. I've been blessed to be a part of a coaching network where I coach pastors. Maybe you've heard me talk about it or one of our other pastors. I was gone a week ago, not last week, but the, the previous week at a conference where I invested and poured into pastors. And, and you know what happens when I'm investing and pouring into pastors? I'm not investing and pouring into you as much. But you know what didn't come off my plate? 922, <laughs> my leadership role, my preaching schedule, <laughs> the, the great opportunity that, that 820 West College is <laughs> and all that's going into it. And, and when I got back, you, you, you know what had to get done? Those things. In fact, the, the week uh, that this one, uh, the, this week as it began, I had uh, two special nights with, with meetings till about nine o'clock, 9.30, <laughs> doing ministry here and another obligation and blessing that I'm a part of Fox, at Fox Valley. And I got home after that and my wife was Skyping with my, my son and, and, and he was on the, the phone and, and she turned it and said, hey, dad's finally home. And, and I said, hey, son. He goes, hey, dad, you trimmed your beard. And I'm like, yeah. And my wife goes, when'd you do that? Like I live in the same roof, I sleep in the same bed and we got up to go to the gym uh, those two mornings. We saw each other for a few brief moments and, and I said, Monday morning? And I'm like, she's like, oh, well, makes sense. I haven't really spent much time with you in the last week. <sighs> Guilty. The next day she woke up, we went to the gym and she said, hey, did you get a haircut? I'm like, yep, yesterday. Like unintentional, but all into all those other things was affecting another godly thing. When you go all in with your kids, you might affect your marriage. When you go all in with your work, which is a godly thing, Pastor Bill talked about it last week, you, you might affect your friends. When, when you go all in all those areas, you, you're going to get overwhelmed, you're going to get stressed, you're going to be filled with anxiety, and it's going to affect you physically, perhaps. And Jesus wants you to remember you need to get rest physically. It impacts your life the people you love, the home you live in, the place you work. And so you have to acknowledge you can't be all into all things all the time to accomplish God's goal of wanting you to rest, which is going to be hard for some of you and harder for some of you than others, but probably essential for all of us. So what I want you to consider and think about it in that arena is just this. All the godly callings and areas of life God has blessed you with, 
but maybe the one you gravitate to and are overemphasizing that's doing the detriment to the others. And maybe think of one thing you need to say no to. You know what I did this weekend after I had that conversation with my wife on Tuesday and it was a full week and I knew I was preaching here. I fired myself on Thursday evening after preaching at St. Peter. At 7.45, I officially said, you're fired. And I rehired myself this morning at 7.15 so I could preach again. I hope you're okay with that. You know why I did it? Because my daughter and son-in-law came home from Minnesota who we don't see very often and, and I wanted to invest in them. So I didn't really answer any emails. I didn't do any church work. I, I didn't 922 because I wanted to focus on my family. I had to say no to a good thing because that was another good thing that I, that I wanted to, to invest in. And you might need to do that with your work sometime. And I know that's hard, but I hope you have the heart to wrestle with that. And you might need to say no to one more camp for your kids so you can say yes to your wife and an extra date that week. And you might need to say no to a friend so that you can invest in one of the roots because you know that'll, that'll produce fruit. It'll help you when your crazy busy life is overwhelmed that, that you're doing life with others. Because you can't be all into all things all the time. And here's the thing about that. You know what takes the biggest hit when we're all into all those things all the time are our godly callings. We're usually willing to, to minimize, to, to cut back on the one that matters most. You see, God wants you to get rest and understand you can't be all into all things all the time, but he never wants you to skimp on what matters most. And we're going to find the real rest, the real truths that will impact your life and help you also deal with those godly callings, but be blessed. Uh, as you consider that, here's what Jesus would say and have you consider about not being all into all things all the time, but, but one more takeaway to help you find the real rest and make this a, a lasting goal that'll impact your life. It's a familiar story involving two people Jesus loved, Mary and Martha, ever heard of them? They had a brother named Lazarus. Mary and Martha blessed Jesus immensely. They hosted him when he came to Jerusalem they loved him and, and covered the expenses, many people believe, when his disciples stayed in town. They, they provided shelter and food and, and were amazing gifts in the life of the Son of God. They had access to Jesus on many occasions, and, and they loved that they could do those things. And here's Jesus in their home, and, and, and the story, I think, is recorded for a reason, because God knows the human heart and mind, and he knows we need to hear these things, because we're, we're people who tend to be more like Martha at times in our our crazy, busy world, and, and not enough Mary. Uh, Jesus ha uh, was there. Uh, Mary and Martha opened their home to him. Uh, Martha was getting all sorts of things ready and was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to Jesus and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you're worried and upset about many things. Notice he doesn't say, you're doing something sinful. <laughs> These are good things. <laughs> Life is busy. God blesses with family. God allows the opportunity and gifts to work. God, God connects us to friends. We have so many good things and a plate that he, he wants to be full, but not overfull and overwhelming. But few things are needed or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better and will not be taken away from her. We as pastors have sat around and, and talked about you. I know you're probably thinking, what does that mean? 
but we know that, that you are busy. And we ask you to get plugged in and connected to the roots because we believe they will produce amazing fruit. We, we, we believe that they will bless your life if you do what, what Jesus described there. Because you can't be all into all things all the time, but you can do this, what, what Mary did. You, you can do this with the power of the Holy Spirit. You can be this and can do this. It's your next fill in the blank. If you're thinking about accomplishing the goal, keep first things first. Like, don't get consumed about the bread that's on the table. Be, be willing to keep first things first, that the bread of life matters more than anything else, that time in Jesus' word is essential. Don't be consumed and overwhelmed by all the things that are good things in your world so that the one thing that matters and lasts to eternity is driven out or removed from the plate. We talk about your, your lives and your plates being full and busy. We, we, we describe it this way. We want you to gather. That's keeping first things first. Because you know what you get here? The word of God that tells you about the one who alone can give rest to your soul. The one who has healed you spiritually in one eternity. That's Jesus Christ. We want you to group. Because doing life together helps you with your blind spots. Gives you accountability. Connects you to people who can pray for you and love you. And, and dig into God's word for you. It's another hour a week or you know everything around here, an hour and 20 minutes a week. And then we want you to grow. We want you to be in the word at home because we know that you live in a, a crazy busy world where the devil's gonna attack and, and your lives are gonna be filled with anxiety. And we want you to hear God's promises about his presence. Do not be anxious about anything, but know that the peace of God, as the apostle Paul said, will help guard your heart. When everything causes you to stop in your tracks because there's so much to do, God says, be still. And know that I'm God. Give it to me. Drop it. I'll take it. And you need a grow root to, to have that confidence and trust in God. We want you to give of your time. And yet we know that it's limited because there's so many good God things in your life. We want you to invest in going and, and, and other people's lives. And you know you can't do that if you don't keep first things first. You can't do that if you're not connecting to Jesus on a daily basis in your, in your home, in your marriage with your wife, in your relationships with your kids, if you're not doing life with other Christians and, and you're not gathering. And you, and you know what the first thing to go is oftentimes when we're crazy busy? Gather, group, grow, give, go. You know how I know this? Because I know me. I'd much rather get after the emails that come in tomorrow morning than get after my devotion because I believe I can do that later and be okay. And you know what sometimes happens to it? It doesn't happen. And I'm sharing with that with you so you can hold me accountable and so that you know I'm human and that we all wrestle with this. And it's why we need to keep first things first because they're the only things that, that indeed last. God wants you to rest. He so wants to bless your physical life, your, your health, your relationships, your energy levels, but, but even more, he wants to bless your soul. Because when you keep first things first, you know what you're going to find in our ever anxious world? More joy because you got Jesus. And you know what you're going to run into in this world? People who are driven to do more, to get more, because it's a status symbol to be busy because there's power, prestige, and, and dollars with that. And you, and you know what? 
Keeping first things first will allow you to do. Have perspective and peace in the greatest treasure, which is eternity. Which might mean you say no to to more hours at work or a change of jobs because you want to invest in in the roots and in in your home and in your relationships. I'm not telling you what's right or wrong. Being busy isn't bad. It, It gets bad when it's got the wrong motives and done in the wrong ways with the the wrong first things first. And so God wants us to, to understand that real rest happens when we keep first things first. And here's what he promises. Uh, Hebrews chapter four tells us uh, of the model that God made on the seventh day, he rested from all his works. There remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works just as God did from his. It's a God goal because God carried it out and modeled it and God longs for it for, for you. And here's why. If I haven't convinced you yet, remember what Pastor Michael said when we, when we did that big inhale and that, that deep exhale? Jesus said this about rest. Come to me, you who are weary and burdened. And I don't know about you, but this last week I was weary <laughs> and burdened because I was busy, too much so. And I needed to come to Jesus and confess that sometimes I think I'm the savior and I need to be all into all things at all times. And he wants you to come to him when you're weary and burdened by your sin. He wants you to come to him when you're weary and overwhelmed with your schedule because he's given you so many things and opportunities. He wants you to come to him when you're weary and burdened because the world is, is full of crazy and things that can can undermine and cause anxiety. And you know what he promises? Not that you have to earn it, not that you have to find it, but that'll give it rest. When you keep first things first, when you sit at Jesus' feet, when, when you gather regularly, when you group weekly, when you grow daily, when, when, when you give, you, you know what you're going to find? Amazing fruits, more joy in Jesus, more peace in forgiveness, more hope. Because you know that in Jesus, the one who came and encouraged rest, you have eternal rest to look forward to. Eternity with him. And that's why he can say his yoke is easy and his burden is light because he's removed the burden of sin and he gives you the strength for the task and he'll empower you to rest and help you figure out the balance all the way along the path when you keep first things first. Which is why I want you to take this final fill in the blank and maybe apply it to your heart and maybe all these goals. But specifically this one. Because someone's going to ask you uh, uh, tomorrow or later this week or at the next family gathering, how are you doing? <laughs> and you might be tempted to, to say good or, or fine or busy. But maybe after day, you, you'll be challenged to answer this way. Blessed. I know, I know, before I say that, there's a part of you going, really, like those people, like they drive us nuts when, how are you doing? I'm so blessed. Bless your heart. (laughs) You're making me feel crazy. (laughs) I should be busy. (laughs) But that's not what God teaches today. In fact, that's not what he wants you to remember about rest. He wants you to remember this about rest. And this is why it's a goal, because if you rest physically, if you rest spiritually and keep first things first, you will be blessed. 
you will. Because you will experience the, the Spirit's fruits in your life of joy, of peace, of goodness, of love, of kindness, of self-control, which will help you do what? You know what? Know how to not be all into all things at all times, but to say yes to godly good things to bless others. And that's what I want for our church and for myself. To be people who understand that when you rest and keep first things first and rest in Jesus, you'll be blessed. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for giving us rest for our souls. If, if we had to work our, our way to heaven, if we had to keep doing more and more and more, we'd be driving harder and we would never find peace. But, but because you give us spiritual rest, because it's found in you, we're not overwhelmed with the burden of sin. We're not overtaken by the anxiety of, of one more thing to do, but it's done. And that's why we need to keep first things first because the, the world's going to push us away from you to, to do more and to invest time and energy and even many good things, but endanger our souls because they might take away from God things. And above all, time with God. So I pray, Lord, that you remind all of us and that we live in a crazy, busy world and that you want us to be busy and love all the godly callings you've given to us. But, but help us remember that we can't be all into all things all the time. But you want us to be all in all the time to what matters most. So help us in our heart, keep first things first, time with you, that when we're rooted, we know that we will be rested and we will be blessed. Amen.